0: Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the bmw blog podcast episode 51 uh today it's just Hiroshi and i um we don't have a special guest but i guess Hiroshi is a special guest <laughs> right you're the the king bmw i don't hear guy, that so. too often uh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's, up, man? So what's going on nico
1: it's been a, it's a couple of weeks since we've done uh, an episode so i think uh
0: yeah i've been uh a wall on the podcast for a couple of weeks. I know. Welcome back,
1: welcome back. You've been missed. Sorry. Uh, you missed a good podcast with uh, yeah. Johnny Lieberman, but I think uh,
0: I know. I wanted to. I wanted to uh, get on that one. I'm, I'm pissed at myself that I did. No, I think we'll uh, because, get
1: Johnny uh, back on very soon,
0: and we'll yeah, have some other guests like a as well. fantastic journalist, but uh I'm a big fan of Johnny Lieberman's. Actually, I, that's. You know his motor trend days were the ones that got me like into really, really? into cars like reading motor trend magazine so that's kind of i was like oh my god i get to talk to john lieberman i've been reading him since i was like 17. So. yeah
1: we had to cut it short we we work <laughs> going like 90 minutes almost and we said you yeah, know let's just <laughs> cut it short and we'll yeah. we'll come back to it yeah, car guys right yeah exactly
0: yeah. yeah all right cool like jason camisa we had to cut oh it jason out. yeah actually we, Dude, we should episodes. bring jason
1: back after he drove the m three and yeah. four so we should definitely do that So today I think I can give a preview of what we want to talk about. So you drove recently the M3 in both the standard and competition models. One of them was with the uh, manual 6 speed, so that's definitely one good topic. Uh, I can share a little bit about my trip to Los Angeles where I drove the, um, um, well, I spent some time with the i4. I can't really say more than that today, but I can share some things that I've learned. The embargo, it's actually on June 1st, and they're going to unveil the i4 and the iX at the same time. I think there will be a lot of video reviews and just regular reviews coming out. Um, but I can definitely share some things that I've learned while I saw the car there. And um, yeah. I think the last topic is, um, I can also talk a little bit about the meeting that I had with the BMW design team a few days ago. And actually, I was on a, I was on a Zoom call with a few other journalists and uh, Adrian Van Hoyden, the... Uh, bmw group chief of design and um right. Dukets. he's the uh, head of design for uh, bmw and clearly uh, the main topic was uh, the new design language and some of the uh, feedback sure. that we have received and they have received and some other journalists as well so i can definitely share a few things on that
0: All right. i'm sure he doesn't want to hear the word yes yeah, that that's an again. interesting topic for sure <laughs> right. so um, you want
1: to you want to yeah. kick it off
0: Sure, sure. So I'm very actually, I can't, I'm really excited to talk about it. I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to ruin like the reviews. But uh, I've currently I'm driving an M3 competition, but last week I had uh, the standard M3, the new G80 M3, and the standard one is six speed manual, 473 horsepower. um, And the competition, which I have now, is 503 horsepower and eight speed automatic. And, you know, I thought the differences were going to be like the competition has more power and it's kind of like less fun. Like I was just, I went into it thinking the manual is going to be the one I'm going to love. It's the one I I requested first. So I I was able to get that one first because I requested it um, because I just wanted the manual. And, you know, the manual, I remember driving the manual. I was like, this is a good car. Like This is a really good car. Um, Much better than I was anticipating and, like, it's really good. And then I got in the competition. And I was like, this is a different beast. And I don't want to give too much yeah. away. But, like, I can't. I'm. I Actually, I need to, like, talk to the. the some. Like, maybe the product manager or something for the M3. Because I want to know, like, the exact changes that were done from standard to competition. Like, everything. If there were ball joints and bushings changed. Camber changes. Anything. Because it feels surprisingly different. And I think that it will make. I think people are going to choose one or the other more based on how they drive than the transmission. Gotcha. Like, I don't think you're going to get a lot of people who are going to say, well, I just want the standard because it's a manual. I think if they drive both the way they drive will be more impactful on their purchase than the actual transmission because they drive surprisingly different. Yeah. I mean, um, there is
1: also a significant uh, power difference between the two of them. Right?
0: Yeah, there is. Yeah. And, and I thought, I didn't think the power difference would be that dramatic, but it is. Uh, I mean, it's got, like, well, more than 50 pound-feet more in yeah. the competition. So, you know, it feels definitely feels punchier, and it definitely, definitely feels like it has more of that, like, torque everywhere feel. Yeah. Like, whereas the standard car, I noticed it, it didn't feel, like, really, really powerful until, like, 3,000 RPM, whereas this one, it, the competition, it doesn't matter what RPM you're at. You just you put your foot down any gear, and it's just explosive. It's so brutal. It's like... Um, I keep going back to what John Lieberman said with your podcast. He said it feels like a four door GTR, and it does. You know, like it kind of has that like brutal, like GTR like feel. It's kind of wild. I'm I'm really impressed. And aside from the
1: power, how did the steering feedback um, seem to you?
0: the The steering is interesting because it's definitely not super like communicative. Obviously, like no, I, I don't really hate bringing that up actually because like no car is communicating yeah. anymore you know uh, unless it's like a mclaren with a hydraulic steering rack but it, you know you don't get a lot of feel i think it's still I, I still think that the weight doesn't increase like the weight of the steering doesn't increase as you mm. turn as you add mm-hmm. lock enough like it kind of feels a little bit too yeah. video gamey but the actual response is insane like the front end grip is some of the best i've ever felt in a car interesting it's, I don't know how they do it, it's, it just does not understeer, it, it grip. there's so much front end grip, it's so fast and responsive, like, you just make these crazy minute little adjustments and it responds so well, and it really has that old school M3 feeling of, like, it's just so unbelievably direct, you just, I mean, point it wherever you want, it does exactly what you ask, it's it's really, really good. So, like, the actual feel itself isn't great, but the the ends justify the means like the actual response is so good i don't care about the feel anymore like it's just it's such a good drive yeah i'm really
1: honestly um i feel the same way i mean i I actually felt like it's it's super precise to me it was it was really really good i mean didn't take it on the track but i know chuck went to spartanburg and drove the car and i saw his review also and he did mention you know how how precise it was you know it was responsive then i saw some autocross that one of the uh driving instructors did there and i mean the car was just you know following his uh his lead all the time so um i feel like you know they just it's it's really hard to improve upon that you know with the uh, electric yeah. steering but i think they they still do a good job so honestly that shouldn't be even in a conversation and on top of it you can really can really adjust the settings i mean there's so many settings that you can adjust to uh, can. make the car feel more responsive and especially the the feedback from the steering to be um you know hefty or heavier
0: so, yeah i mean yeah the weight will definitely increase yeah. uh, my thing is not that it's too light it's that and this is all bmw m steering like m8 was the biggest offender yeah. to me it like as you turn the wheel it doesn't increase the weight enough so like you don't get a feeling through your hands that there's like something happening it's also so heavier tires. car too but it is, it is, it's much heavier, but like, uh, it's it's, it's, actually, it's not as heavy as we first read initially. Cause I saw some, um, some like people put them on, you know, put yeah. on scale and like the way that, that German car companies have to weigh. Are cars, about the M8 like or the, the M3? Are, okay. The M3. M3, but, but uh, not, no BMW is actually as heavy as it they list because the way German car, like the way German regulations, where they have to weigh cars is off. Like it's, it's, it's you know overly heavy well i um, think they have to use uh the way they, weigh them.
1: they take um, an average of the drive or something like that and then also half a tank right. of gas or maybe more
0: right so there's like a couple hundred yeah. pounds uh, added to every car so it's it's not as heavy. i mean it's still heavy but it's not as heavy as uh you know because we, we when we first came out we mm. saw the the spec like,
1: it doesn't feel extremely heavy so honestly heavy. i mean honestly to me it doesn't really feel like it's crazy it heavy
0: no it feels a little bit big I will say that it does feel a little bit bigger than like m3s of the past but it's it is bigger but like it's it's not a deal breaker it, it I mean is it's so just bad.
1: because it's based on the you know four series platform three mm-hmm. series platforms so that so that was a little bit larger than the f30 basically
0: yeah I mean I, I what I will say though is I think BMW changed the game with this I mean I really think that this moves sports sedans on like the, this is a, the next step of sports advance because i mean like when the alpha julia quadrifoglio came out, i remember thinking like this is the best sports mm-hmm. I've ever driven like it, it was it just blew everything yeah. else away i think this might be better and i think the julia steering is probably a little bit sweeter like the way it feels not with the response like not the precision but like it has such good feel and it's so like wonderful to, to actually mm-hmm. use but i think the m3 is sharper i really do i think it's sharper i think it's more dynamic and one thing that really impressed me is it's surprisingly playful, like considering that it has so much grip and it's on the stickiest yeah. Michelins you know you can get and it's, um, you know, there's just so much mechanical grip and it feels so sure-footed. But if you do want to kick it out, it will slide a little and it's not like, with, you know, with almost 500 pound-feet of torque, you'd figure it'd be like snappy, but it's not. It's really progressive. It slides nicely. It's playful. Um, I, I was, I'm really surprised by it i'm not chris harris i'm not sliding around my streets um but like if i do try to push it around a little bit you know it's it does play it's and then when it does slide you it's progressive you can catch it um easy you know you can really control it i really i'm really happy with it it's really really good
1: yeah so you know i think it's all about the driving experience with the new m3 and m4 and we've been saying that for quite some time i think people have to go and drive the car um Even Johnny Liberman said the same thing, you know, that, you know, the Julia QV, I mean, basically that was his favorite car. And now it has to be the M3 and M4. He was also raving about the M2CS quite a bit. So I feel like the M division, when it comes to driving experience, I don't think they've let anyone down in a very long time. Um, even when you look at the uh, large SUVs, X5M, X6M, I think they've done a fantastic job, uh, you know, taking in consideration the, the weight of their car, the size and everything else. They're spectacular. So I don't think they're cutting any corners when it comes to the driving experience. Um, of course, you know, there is a, that conversation about the DCT versus the automatic, which um, there, there are more implications there than, than usually um we talk about but basically the DCT yeah. it's kind of on its way out and there was no no point to uh, kind of um yeah, revise that for a new generation of of cars and it yeah. makes more sense to reuse but, the same technology that they've done in all the other M cars so that's right. kind of the
0: plus the the, the ZF8 speed yeah. is great you I know mean, I don't um and
1: I don't see any shortcomings with that right right now, with that transmission honestly every M car that I drove yeah. with that one I mean, okay, maybe if you're a, you know, super professional racing driver, you take that kind of track, you might be able to tell the difference. And, but I highly doubt that 99% of the people or more will be able to tell the difference between the two immediately, of course, the purist will can tell the difference, but it's not something that will stand out immediately.
0: I will say like, I do, I do think that it would be. A tiny, tiny, tiny bit more fun. DCT. The DCT. Yeah, like it, it would yeah. be because the DCT is that s- mm. snappier. It gives a little bit more character. It just kind of has like a kind of wilder mm. feel. But it's this eight speed is so good. It's so fast. Um, and you know what I really love about it? The fact that it has eight speeds because you can cruise down the highway at highway speed and it's turning over like under two thousand yeah. RPM and it's That'd quiet. You know when you want to cruise, mm. it's quiet and it's comfortable and. You know it's firm but it's one of those cars where like you hear bumps more than you feel them like it's it's comfortable enough to drive every day it's quiet the eight speed would like would it be more fun with the set the dct yes but i think it would be the, the increase in fun would be so marginal that it wouldn't be worth the decrease in comfort of the eight speed so I, I think it's yeah. you know one of those things you just take it and drive it and it's so without giving
1: away too much from the reviews playing. but uh which one would you take if it comes down to an m3 manual versus uh, an auto
0: Oof. i don't know if i want to give away my answer yeah. but i kind of do uh re i i would take the adaptation yeah yeah and i wouldn't even think twice gotcha. like it's it's so it's so much better and i don't know why like I, I i mean i know why it just feels sharper this it just feels a little bit sweeter it yeah. feels like it's better has more grip it feels and it feels brutally fast like it's it feels so much faster in the mm-hmm. real world um like it feels like leaps and bounds faster and it's because there's you know there's no shift time it has yeah. more torque it's just it, relentless and it just has like this crazy like brutal efficiency and how it quickly it will go down yeah. any road and it's so responsive the manual is really good it's it's great but the actual manual itself isn't that good, like it's kind of notchy feeling, um, which is kind of typical of BMW M cars, and it's just it's not the best manual yeah. to use. So like when you're driving, you're kind of like I kind of wish it was a better manual. But when you're driving the, the competition, the auto is perfect every single yeah. time. So it, it just to me, I think the competition is worth the money. So I think, yeah. and. I don't know what color my competition is called because i keep looking on BMW site and i can't figure out what yeah color. so actually i but think that's was on my sheet as bronze yeah
1: that's not bronze it's actually i think it's brooklyn gray i think the one that you had is it pretty brooklyn sure gray? Yeah.
0: I, I it's when when i because i have to sign like a document yeah. every time i get a press car send a doc, and they list the color on it every single time and the color usually has the exact name like port of blue yeah. or whatever this one just said bronze yeah. So I texted the guy, I was like, bronze, what color is bronze? No,
1: I think it was Brooklyn Gray based on what I saw, I think it's, um, yeah.
0: It it does have like a bronze sheen does, to yeah. it, like in certain lights it looks kind of bronze, so I don't know if it was that like David Gray or whatever, or I whatever it's called. pretty sure
1: it was Brooklyn Gray, I mean, we'll, we'll find out for the it review, I'm curious Gray. too. I don't
0: know, but it looks really good, and it, I, my car doesn't have a Monroney in it, Like so I don't yeah. know what color, it doesn't have a spec sheet, so I don't know what color it's exactly, so I gotta find right. out, but.
1: But yeah, I mean, I think oh, when it, it comes to um, the M3, M4 competition, I think uh, the, the real test to me will be when the X-Drive version comes out. So the all-wheel drive, I'm really curious to see how yeah. much faster, how much better that car is. And I do have a feeling that in certain parts of the U.S., that will be the number one selling uh, M3, M4, probably followed by the regular rear-wheel drive competition. And, and I'm I'm assuming that the, reg- the, the standard manual, six-speed manual will be probably the um least bought
0: yeah to be honest i wouldn't be surprised if the standard six speed gets discontinued at some point i mean i don't think it's going to oh,
1: happen i mean uh yeah there is no way i think I seven know. years from now i don't think you'll see maybe you're not even going to see a regular oh, in Never. combustion m3 m4 it's either going to be no, hybrid or fully electric actually i don't think they've decided yet based on what i know I mean, it, it's now super solid info, but I don't think they have fully decided yet what what's going to be with the next generation. I'm sure they have some ideas on plans, but I'm actually extremely yeah. curious to see, you know, so seven years from now, um, almost 2029, 20, 2028 20, there. So they have to, yeah, they got to finalize plans probably the next two or three years going into that. So yeah. I don't know. Do you want to come out with a hybrid in 2028, 2029, or you just want to go full electric? versus waiting another generation which would put you into you know 2035 six yeah, 2030s. um yeah. that is
0: and when, with the with the tesla model 3 performance already existing i don't think like i even think mercedes because mercedes is going amg is going mm, hybrid with the next c63 yeah. i don't even think that's smart i think they should just go straight. yeah but
1: then again like, you have to mm-hmm. think they that production probably started or that plan or you know started six five six seven years ago
0: so, well that's true but the model three performance has been around yeah that's true but. You know, you know, I don't think there was so that much hype that, around electric that cars out.
1: six seven years ago. And
0: no, I, I, yeah, I know uh, it's just, that thing. This has just changed the game. I think everyone needs to go. After, also um, it,
1: it also happens that if you're stuck in the in the cycle somewhere in the middle and you can really change things even though you know it makes sense to change them, then you basically have to come out with you know something like this. I mean, if the M3 and M4. Would have come out in two years from now you know i'm pretty sure they would have probably done a hybrid right away and then go fully elected the next generation but i i, I do wonder what will happen honestly because i think if you do um, if everybody does electric sports cars in that segment and you're stuck you know with hybrids then you have to kind of justify that even though some people might actually like it because you're still re- retaining the engine sound and all of that so maybe you know it, now to play the devil's advocate if you're looking at from uh, the other side if everybody goes fully electric and you're offering a hybrid with performance and sound maybe you know that's uh that's kind of like a selling point but i don't want to be uh yeah, marcus flash honestly to have to uh, make those decisions right now because yeah. everything is moving so fast right. that's kind of what i talked to with a few days ago in a meeting with van Hoyong and uh and duke it's basically they also said you know that they've never seen so many changes in the automotive space in such a short time frame like ever so even them they're constantly trying to adapt that's why you see we haven't talked about this but um, my assumption is that's why you see all these large screens now coming to you know life cycle products basically so they still have to redesign quite a bit the interior to accommodate for that versus before it was really just a small facelift inside and nothing major and you know move on but now they're moving fast with technology so they have to adapt quickly so it's going to be the same thing for m and probably the entire brand but especially for m i mean those sure. guys always have to deliver really good products and um, i'm sure it's extremely stressful in garring right now
0: right and i mean that change is also complete 180 from the brand heritage right like if you're going electric that's so much different than you know m anything m's ever really done you know i mean if you're You know, coming out with something like an i4 or an iX, that's a regular BMW Mm -hmm. car. You know, you you just make it good to drive, you know, efficient, comfortable, things like that. But an M car is based entirely on driving dynamics and fun and, you know, the thrill of actually driving it. And electric cars, it's, you know, it's tough to get that because you lose that emotional connection with the internal mm-hmm. combustion engine. You lose that. So you, how do you replace that? And that's tricky. That must be difficult. So that was actually, um. As, you know, as so in this
1: call, actually, I, there was Hannah Elliott from Bloomberg or some other journalist. I don't know if it was hard to ask the question. But um, Van Huyden was asked, you know, how do you differentiate now uh, in between electric performance cars? Because, you know, they're all kind of performant and all of that. And uh, I think Adrian kind of gave an answer, said, you know, years back, I would have thought that maybe there is no differentiation and you really, you can't really differentiate. But now they feel like they can still deliver an ultimate driving machine, even with an electric drivetrain, because it's more than just trail line performance that it can do. So they said that even though the ingredients have changed, uh, that doesn't mean that you cannot make a car that stands out in in competition with uh, other brands. So I feel like they're still going to try to deliver that, you know, BMW driving uh, performance engagement, whatever you want to call it, despite, you know, having an electric drivetrain or a hybrid. So.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah no, I'm definitely curious to see it. and I, I, I can't say much about it, and I know you can't say much about yours, yeah. but you know, I saw the iX in person. I spent a little bit of time with it. I didn't get to yeah. drive it. But I saw that in person and I got, you know, like the full specs and everything. And I won't, I, you know, it's under embargo, so I can't say. So we can it. probably tease, I mean, not tease,
1: but we can tell people that basically the the embargo lifts off on June 1st at 6 p.m. Eastern. Right. That's when everything is going to be coming out. There will be a lot of news from everyone, not just us. I mean, there will be there were quite a few people that had a chance to see the car in the U.S., in Europe. I think there were even some customer previews and all of that. So there will be a lot of info coming out on both cars. Um, there will be a full unveil of the i4, interior, exterior, specs, and all of that. And I'll tell you more in a second. And then the iX, basically, absolutely a full reveal. I don't know if they're going to uh, announce the pricing, but we'll find that out soon. But I guess from your end, you'll definitely have like a report that you can talk about some of the cool features on the iX. Because I feel like the iX, it's really all about tech. It's not necessarily about the kin- really, and all of that, even though people want to talk about that. I feel like it's super, super advanced when it comes to tech, and it's definitely worth, you know, seeing, talking about it. Yeah. So um, we can we can at least share but that.
0: I, I won't say right. I won't say anything specific. But I, one, the kidney girl, the IX will surprise people. I'm going to say right. that. I'm not gonna say anything more about that, but it will surprise some people. Cool. Um, but I think if they take, I think just in speaking in generalities with the IX and the i4, um, I think with the tech they have in those cars, the electric Mm powertrain technology i don't see why they can't why m can't make a fun m3 fully electric like when you Mm -hmm. see what they've done like because bmw kind of had this weird period where they were doing really Mm -hmm. nothing in the electric space right they had the i3 and the i8 and then they just stopped really making anything interesting in the electric space and then now they're coming out with these two cars and you go okay well now i kind of see what what they've been doing at least some of that Mm -hmm. time because I think when you see them, you're, you know, people are gonna say, "Oh, okay, this is, you know, this is gonna be cool." Um, these are gonna be cool yeah. Cars. I don't see why the IX wouldn't um, sell like crazy. IX. Honestly, I
1: think the IX would sell insanely well uh, if they if the pricing is in the X5 range, as they talk about. Uh, basically, uh, yeah. you know, all those models kind of mimicking whatever the pricing for the forty fifty. Uh, right.
0: You know. It's gonna yeah. It's going to have yeah.
1: So then right. then I, I don't see why it's, you know you wouldn't sell well. But yeah, we'll talk about that more.
0: If the range can hit the EPA numbers in the real world, like if they yeah. can get the numbers you're saying in the real yeah. world, I don't see like if you're asking me mm-hmm. as a customer if I'm gonna buy an X five M fifty I or or any X five over an IX, I'm not gonna pick the yeah, X five. For sure. I mean you know? yeah it's just if they're the same price and the range is good why get the older less high-tech yeah. model and in the
1: ix i mean the epa range people i mean need to know that um it's based on best case scenario so for example in chicago i'm never going to hit probably that epa rating especially in you know, summer it's too hot you gotta crank that ac up in the winter is too cold you gotta go the other way around so I, i'm always fully aware that i'm never going to be able to hit that but even if, if it gives me at least double the range that I get in an i3 today, uh, you know, having a nice package and super tech, uh, that's um, I'm sold and it's fast charging and everything definitely sold on it. But uh, it will be interested to see, you know, prices. Well,
0: yeah. I think another thing that people need this to, uh, automakers need to advertise when it comes to electric cars and their range, isn't necessarily the range. Cause like, yeah, like you said, the range can yeah. change based on weather, based on, you know, usage. Like, are you on the highway? Or are you in the city? Are you you know stopping yeah. traffic? Or are you in suburban traffic? Are you using the heat, the AC, whatever? That all can, can completely change your your range. I think what's important is the efficiency of the motor, like the powertrain. How many miles per kilowatt hour exactly. or whatever are people getting? Sure. And if it gets good efficiency, like if you're getting you know I think three between three and four is like you know miles per kilowatt hour is quite right. good. Um, I think if you're getting that, you know then it, it's a good car you know that, that's i think is a better judge of powertrain you know efficiency than the actual total range because you know so many things can change sure. that
1: so that leads me into the i4 so basically i was in l.a ran into um bmw of north america and they were playing around with the new i4 fully camouflaged and all of that so they asked me to kind of you know jump in and uh, take a look at the car yeah. and Uh, fortunately i can't really say too much about the the car but i can share the things that we've said in the article on the website so june 1st full unveiled there'll be two models unveiled on june 1st Um, my assumption is they haven't confirmed that they didn't tell me anything but i feel like there will be a third model sometimes in the future maybe a cheaper version with uh, you know just a real wheel drive and um, lower range so a smaller battery pack and um, they did say that um, those two cars that will be unveiled have the same battery size but just different capacities. Uh, so that's one thing. So they're sharing the same battery. Uh, and then um, they didn't uh, they didn't want to talk much about the rear-wheel drive versus um, rear-wheel drive. But I got a feeling that at least one of the cars will be an all-wheel drive. And that's probably the M50 that we've been talking about. They didn't tell me the name, but for sure that's going to be the name. So I4M50 and probably the other one is I4M, I4, no, I440, I think.
0: Yeah, so wait, is it I440 or is it I4M50?
1: So it's I4M50, that'll be the top one. And then the other one, see, they keep changing those names. I don't know if it's going to be I440 or I4 drive 40 so that's one thing that I want to that I want to find that's out very confusing. I don't know which one makes more sense i440 which could be confused with 440i or i4 e drive 40 which is a mouthful I'm not sure but regardless Actually, of the name I kind of like that uh, regardless of the name I think they also share some of the specs uh 300 miles range um I believe on the um uh, on the i4 m50 and the other car Probably it's going to get um, better range because it's less powerful. So there, is, uh, so there is a balance there in between power and battery capacity. So I'm assuming the other one will have a little bit more range. But we'll learn about that too. And horsepower as well, only one was communicated. So uh, 500 to 500 something horsepower probably for the top model. And the other one, I expect it to be um, not significantly less, but definitely in the 400 range probably. So that's um, that's that. I drive eight. Um, it's standard. I had a chance to kind of see it uh, on that large screen. Played um, around a little bit with it. Can't say much, but I liked it. So I can say that I liked it. It's cool. Um, I do like the large screen. Can't say much more about that either. Unfortunately, I wish we did. I mean, we'll do a podcast of June 1st, since I'll have a chance to see the car uh, fully unveiled. Uh, the car was camouflage, so I I did um, I did spend some time going around the car. Um, it doesn't happen too often because they usually drive drive off when you get too close to a prototype. But they actually let me, to insp- uh, let me inspect it and um, it's got some really slick proportions. I mean, if you look from the side and the three-quarter view and the rear rear quarter view, I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's got a Grand Coupe. And I think they've always nailed the Grand Coupe design, so um, I actually like this one quite a bit. Um, the car seems to sit a little bit lower than the 3 Series. I was just kind of eyeing that. And um and to me. Yeah, and then to me it sits lower, which means that it probably it's got really nice balance uh on like on the road, lower center of gravity, so it probably drives quite well. Sure. We'll talk about that after June first. And um yeah, that it's got the lift gate, so mm, that's not a, that's not a question anymore. So just like the other it does
0: have the like the the, the force, yeah, same thing, yeah
1: um quite spacious boot actually really really spacious so no issues there and um
0: does it have a fruit uh, the front the front boot actually good
1: i did not look at that actually it's one thing i did not look i forgot to ask i'm so used to a uh, conventional accords i did not ask about that so i don't know honestly but i'll
0: yeah it is it was tricky every time i'm with an electric car in yeah. the front trunk i'm like oh yeah
1: it's a good question i wish wow. uh, i wish i'd ask actually but um yeah. i'll find that out uh, on june 1st for sure what yeah, else right. can i reveal about the car that we wrote about um it's got some beefy um some beefy tires i think the largest one was a 285 yeah. um uh, rear, yeah. Two sixty five, two eighty five I believe it was. At least um yeah. I mean at least on that model. I don't know if it's different from model to right, model. Right. And nineteen and twenty inches options, I think they said a nineteen might be for the US or maybe just for the top model, the twenty. I don't recall that. But we will know the full details then. Um what else? What else? Okay. Yeah, so just typical four series. Um I guess they try to they try to emphasize this idea of that they want customers that jump from a four series coupe or grand coupe uh, with a gasoline engine to just you know feel at home and jump into the i4 and not having to think about okay this is an electric right. car this is different now what i need to do and all of that so they're trying to keep things the same as far as design tech uh there are some differentiation when it comes to tech inside but not too much so yeah,
0: yeah it's always something i was curious about because it seems like and I, i've asked this to like every auto like automotive you know, exactly to yeah. talk to like what is the best way to make an electric car? do you make it funky and wild and different or do you make it similar to your traditional product so that your customer base can just feel very familiar feel very at home like i don't know what's the, the it seems weird so i guess the i4 is going opposite of the i3 right it's, it's, i'll tell you more on that
1: because uh, i asked that question to adrian van hoyden actually so i'll tell you in a second about that as well <laughs> but um <laughs> let me see what else on the i4 trying to think what else i can say without uh, breaking any embargoes try to remember we wrote on the article oh yeah the um uh, brake regeneration so um definitely uh different than the i3 i believe it follows the same uh, logic same um, idea or engineering as the ix3 i haven't driven the ix3 i know some of our guys did and um I feel like it's probably a, a version of that, so there will be a few different um, brake regeneration modes, and I think that's one that's one feature that the engineer was really really excited about, and we talked about it quite a bit. We even have a video interview on top of the hill, um, you know, talking about that. So um, on June first, we'll, I will publish that video. It's it's definitely quite interesting. So brake regeneration. Um, the car looks actually to be uh, also quite wide actually so when you look from the rear i mean it was it was really wide i mean it's got some really nice you know uh, fenders there flared a little bit so definitely like a right. like a sports car and then i saw the engineer drive off a few times and um it seemed pretty quick to me honestly there was an m2 around there and um yeah it was it was quick it was really quick yeah i'm sure
0: so, yeah. i mean it's 500 500- you know, yeah horsepower, instant torque just over 500 yeah yeah so crazy. um i mean that's and i'm just thinking about the m3 competition with its 500 horsepower and how well it handles and that's similar oh, chassis. That'll be, not M, not MFI, but it's and that should be the first test that we do has the same amount of power that should be the what first that? test that we
1: do you know m3 versus right, i4 actually yeah, that's I'd a great f- idea yeah let's, let's do that'll that would be really cool actually that. that's it's uh, we need to start working on that already <laughs> But um, yeah <laughs> so i guess production yeah. later this year um, we might see the first units in the u.s by the end of the year or latest early next year i think they moved production uh mm-hmm. either to late summer or early early fall so that'll be cool but yeah i guess we'll learn more i think it's an exciting car i've been driving i3s for the last six seven years so i'm on my fourth uh, i3 so i've quite experienced uh with electric cars and I'm definitely excited about this one it's a long time coming and I got a feeling that um, BMW uh, customers or fans will actually like it too of course they're going to talk about the killing grill and that's another conversation but uh, on this car it definitely bothers me less than it would on an M3 and m 4 which
0: yeah that's a funny one right does the does the fake Giant kidney grill on an electric car—is that more egregious than the real giant kidney grill
1: on the? I haven't seen it. It it was covered, so I can't really I can't really um, talk about the final design because I really have not seen it. But I can go by what we saw on the on the photos that they released. I mean, they already showed the kidney grill, so it's out in the open. Really, there's no secret. But um, I do like it actually on the on the i4. It doesn't bother me too much. and especially with the other M Sport package that they showed, the i4 or M Sport or M50, whatever the model was, it looked really good. So it just feels at home, feels futuristic right. a little bit. It's I mean still big for sure, but I don't know. It just doesn't bother me.
0: I will say, again, I don't want to give anything away, but I will say that the kidney grill on the iX, and I think it's probably the same on the i4, yeah. is cooler than it looks. Gotcha. I'm just yeah. going to say, like, I think fans are gonna be like, "Oh, that's actually that's yeah. pretty cool."
1: Yeah, we'll we'll definitely yeah. reveal more. He,
0: I was like, "Oh, that's that's pretty cool, actually." And and everyone, I think everyone knows. Anyone who reads our site knows my feelings on the new kidney grill. So we won't go there. But I think that uh I think it's cooler. The the new ones are gonna be cooler than than yeah. a lot of fans think they are now.
1: Yep. So um, yeah. So since we talk about a design, I can probably end with this. Unless I mean, unless you want to go first with something else, I don't want to take I mean, you, you take all, the, all the space yeah I mean I feel like this is an interesting topic segway. and we're gonna keep it a little bit shorter today so um um so we are yeah, so I had a meeting zoom meeting few journalists and um like I said the head of design and the head of BMW group design so Adrian van Hoyden is pretty much in charge of uh, uh Rolls-Royce BMW Motorrad and Mini and then each um each subdivision each brand has its own head of design so in this case will be uh, Domagoj Ducats he was previously the head of M design and BMW i and then uh, basically a few years ago he uh, got promoted um, definitely the work on someone's model started under his uh, tenure but I think the four series really started I think before he actually took over the head of design position but that's not the point. So Anyway, so the topic of conversation in that meeting was really the uh, new design language and some of the feedback received. They wanted to talk to us about uh, their thinking process, how they went about it, what was the reason why they wanted to do this. And they also shared a toned down version of a presentation that they showed to the board. So basically um, the way that it works from what I understood a long time ago and even more recently when they shared that, uh, they have to present a business case to the board. So what they do is they do a presentation, they do sketches that they show ahead of time, then they build a full, a full scale, uh, you know, clay model and so on and so forth. And they still have to convince the board that this is the right, you know, direction for design, for engineering, so on and so forth. So part of their job is really to come up with a storyline saying, okay, why are we doing this, you know, bold design and different, and is it going to be successful? So basically, after they show the clay model, you know, the board makes a decision, okay, this is the right direction that we want to go, and it makes sense. And in order to, you know, get those models approved, they also need to come up with a good storyline. And in this case, um, the idea was that um, the customer is someone that's expressive and elegant, so they call them expressive and elegant creators. And that's kind of a tie into the new generation of customers, Y and Z generation, which everybody tries to cater to, and they took some of their traits, you know, they've been more bold in, in creating things, you know, more open to things. And they were trying to incorporate that into the design. We did not get into a lot of details what that really means when it comes to sketching, you know, products and, and what it really means. But I guess they were trying to emphasize that, OK, we have a new type of customer That um, doesn't mind, you know, uh, uh, going bold in a a new direction. And this is what we want to cater to as well. Not necessarily entirely to them, but we want to cater to them as well. And um, I push back a little bit on that because I feel like from the feedback that I see, and I even told him that, is that you know, the Y and Z generation are both creators. They're open, they're on social media and all these things, and they're always willing to create new things. But at the same time, there is this shift where they fully embrace analog and old-school products. And I give the example of, you know, a lot of the young generation, you know, they have fond memories of, you know, E30s and E36 and other models from their parents or grandparents or, you know, older siblings and so on and so forth. And basically, you know, they feel like that's the... uh, you know that's the cool thing to have you know and don't want with right. me that you know he even sees the young generation being into like you know a, a vinyl discs you know or cassettes right. and you know walkman and all of that so um Metro-tack. he did agree with me on that we didn't expand too much on this because i wanted to find out well if they're doing both how do you cater to those two mindsets so time was a little short not so many people like on the call but I definitely want to do a follow-up on that because if you're saying that they're elegant creators and you know bold and expressive but at the same time they are conservative a little bit when it comes to the design then what's the what's the right balance so um a follow-up on that for sure um and then i did uh i did ask the question uh next uh to adrian van hoyden was um, we always wanted to find out if BMW made the right choice when it comes to having a dedicated uh, electric platform versus um, a flexible or whatever they call calling it now, uh, not flexible, power of choice. But it's essentially a flexible platform. So one platform can host all the drivetrains. And uh, especially knowing that they started really the dedicated EV platform with the i3. I mean, 2010, that was just a fully dedicated EV platform like a bespoke one-off and now they are going back to that from what I know 2025 they're talking about the new class uh, whatever that um, i trying to remember the name Um, anyway there is a short name to it. So they're going back to that. So what I wanted to find out was from the design standpoint, do you, do you as a designer, prefer to work with a dedicated platform because you have a lot more freedom in expression, in design, in packaging, in all of that, or you feel like you're constrained when it comes to a flexible architecture? But really the underlying question was like, okay, did BMW really make a mistake? And, um, Adrian right. well, is very good at you know giving answers, so uh, I'm known for quite some time, so I knew it he's is, not going to get into a lot no of details, but, but I uh, did get the answer that I wanted to hear and kind of confirm what, what you and I always talked about and some other journalists too. It makes more sense to have a dedicated EV platform when it comes to design. It might not be the most cost effective um yeah so you know profits might not be as high as having a flexible platform and you have to make some bold decisions because if you're going into that direction it's not working out then you don't have a a a fallback plan or like or a plan b as you do have with a flexible one because you can always shift production from gasoline to electric and vice versa anytime um but yeah he did give me the answer that i wanted to hear was that yes you know you have a lot more freedom when it comes to design I was talking from a design perspective not engineering um when it comes to an ev platform and i guess i got a feeling that you know it's going to be exciting to see what they can do with the next generation cars which are you know, based on this one so um you know we've done plenty of comparisons between the i4 and like the the rd e-tron product especially the gt which is not necessarily one-to-one but that's the best that we could do with with what they have today and of course, you know, you, when you once you're designing a bespoke product, you can really go in every and possible direction when it comes to design and make it really, really cool. So, um, unfortunately, they're stuck in this, you know, period right now, 2021, 2025. So whatever yeah, whatever we see next as far as the electric products are definitely built on the power of choice, flexible architecture. So you you will see cars that look like normal BMW cars, but they have an electric drive chain. So I'm assuming by twenty thirty you will see some hopefully some exciting products like uh, you know, I eight like or you know, not like not even that, maybe larger grand coupes that will be like quite bespoke and being super cool. And even the SUVs, I got a feeling that um we will see some cool SUVs coming out after 2025.
0: Well look at the ix I mean the ix is its own bespoke uh it is yeah and I mean even though it's the same price as the x5 you know and it's a similar in size it looks completely different like there is it doesn't even look close to an x5 and that's not even just its designs its proportions the overhangs are so much shorter you know it just looks like a sleek new thing and it's because they're their designers have so much more uh, creative like room for creativity yeah. and flexibility, because there's no powertrains in the way. There's nothing yeah. there, so it's just so much easier. Yeah, that's and, an interesting know, topic. A-
1: I'll definitely ask them some point, maybe offline, off the record. i are going to tell it officially but i want to find out you know why do you have you know dedicated ix platform that you can really build any other product on but then you have the power of choice like when was decision made why is there an overlap so i'm kind of curious too to kind of understand what they were thinking or or some of the challenges but hopefully if it's on the record so we can share if not um i'll try to at least you know sneak in some things that i've learned but um Mm -hmm. yeah so moving back to the meeting uh Adrian was only on for, uh, for a few minutes. I mean, basically, he's hands off when it comes to uh, direct management of the design team that falls under you know, Domagoy basically. So Domagoy is the right person to kind of talk about, you know, fine details. And I appreciate it. And I think all on the call appreciate the fact that he spent some time kind of going through that presentation and kind of telling us, you know, what he was thinking. He showed some sketches. Um, he did show the sketches of the... Um, there was this Vision Next 100 car that came out for the uh, uh, 100 years anniversary, 2016 maybe. And um, basically, they were saying that that inspiration for the grill came from there. But if you look at that car, because I actually included that photo in the article, it was a downsized version of the grill that you see today. So I was waiting for my turn to ask that follow-up question. Unfortunately, you know, time was up, but I have it on my list. Because I wanted to find out, well, was there a middle ground for that Keen Grill? You know, was there something that... Because if you're looking at that, you know, Vision X100, and also if you look at the um, the CSL concept that, that they've showed...
0: So I know exactly what you're talking
1: about. Yeah, just take a look at that. So vision. vision X100 is the futuristic concept that really... Uh, it's going to drive a lot of the tech oh, in the, okay. the IX. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you look yeah. at that grill... Oh,
0: see, that was, a, that was cool. Yeah, exactly.
1: So that was my next question, but I didn't want to take too much uh, time on my... Um, um when it was my turn so i was waiting for the next one but it didn't come so anyway but uh, i wanted to say well why didn't we do that because that would have been cool because that looks like a you know middle ground in between what you have now and you know the uh, the m3 and m4 yeah, for sure. it's cool looking it's kind of retro futuristic so it's got that retro look because they've showed that grill a little bit on the uh, csl concepts they unveiled a pebble beach yes. two years in a row mm-hmm so those look really cool i have i have, haven't heard anyone complain about that uh that grill so i don't know no, no this yeah. looks
0: great the vision concept and it's, it's funny the futuristic vision concept the grill is so much tamer yeah, than yeah. the one on the production yeah, so, card. anyway wide. so that's
1: one question the second question i have on the list that i will do a follow-up i'm trying to see if we can get um, somebody from the design team on podcast a podcast and talk one. even more detail about this but the final question that I had, and I think that's the one that that drove a lot of comments on the website as well, is um, iconic design elements. So one of the feedback that I've seen, aside from the kidney grill, I guess everybody talks about that, but there were quite a few interesting comments from people that said, um, you know, kidney grill is fine, but at the same time. Uh, why did they uh, remove the Hofmeister King, or why is the Hofmeister King different? Right. Because BMW said that on some newer cars, the Hofmeister King is really there, but it's reimagined, reinterpreted. I don't know what's the real story there. It, it seems like it's there, but it's not there. So, um, yeah. But um, so I asked the question. So, what do you do with the design, you know, icons? Basically, do you move away from them? And he said, um, you know, he made some good points basically said if you look at the the headlamps the double round headlamps they've changed over time uh yes you know they were super cool when they came out and when they started doing that uh, with the uh, e30s and so on and so forth but then over time they started to change and now you don't really have double round headlamps they're really more like they call they call them squircles i mean i think they said that like in a video too but it's kind of like a they say, they said yeah squircle it's like a circle with they a grown, little square like at the grown,
0: top basically a grown man professional said. The yeah, yeah he actually
1: so actually he didn't say it in this video <laughs> in this uh meeting i think he said it in the previous video they did a video when he explained the design to um to a little fan of the right. brand and i think that's the term that they said it. you know it's that it might be used so i don't know if that's what they use internally or not but yeah. that's beside the point
0: well i mean And that's true. I mean, they have they have changed, but like uh, not not drastically until. I mean, even modern ones aren't that different. Like they're they're still too circular ish. Yeah, I mean they're squarish,
1: right? So Mm -hmm. squarish circles.
0: now, but only because LEDs, it's just kind of more modern. So
1: anyway, so I mean, I don't I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what he meant by all of that, but he was trying to make the point, Domagoi, that. you know things change and they need to evolve. And one of the reasons why you know that's why the halfmeister king kind of went away was he did make a reference to the past where he said that it was that was a functional item before anything else. Apparently, when you know halfmeister the designer came up with that, it was necessary for a production for the re, for the rear quarter we didn't get into the details you know why was it difficult to do or why was it needed it was something to do with the rear door and the panels in there. and there It basically just stuck around over time because it was you know cool and all of that but apparently now you don't really need that you know as a functional f- uh, form it's really just uh, you know for your viewing pleasure really so he said that some of those design chain some of those icons that's why they change because you might not need them today um in a separate meeting a very long time ago i remembered it wasn't part of this one he did mention that you know there were a lot of i'm not sure if it was him or somebody else from the design but mentioned that there are a lot of other car companies they're copying now the Halfmeister king so you're seeing yes, that on a sure. lot of brands especially from asia and all mm-hmm. of that so what do you do then? Do you stick to that? you you try to come up with something different and new and something that will make you stand out? So I don't know if it's the right choice or not because we didn't get into this debate. Okay, you are wrong and I was right or it's not my place because I'm not a designer and definitely um, I can't really you know, say that this was the right choice or not. I was just sharing the feedback that I got from, from our readers and from people on social media it basically said well you know we kind of missed that the king so i asked the question so the bottom line was that the idea is that some things have to change sometimes and that kind of brought me back in my in my mind to the bengal era a little bit too where he started the flame surfacing and all of that which was not done before and he's kind of started that to trend as well and which then was copied by other automakers you know too so um
0: yeah i mean yeah, I, I get, I get it. I, I get it. I mean, here's the funny thing though, right? You have to, you have to change a little bit, right? You have to adapt to keep customers mm-hmm. coming back because customers like new. And if your BMW looks like a Honda, because like the new Accord has like a Hofmeister kink, yeah. so like, it, you know, if you know your BMW looks like a Honda, customers are going to be a little upset. The only people that are going to be upset are the nerds yeah. that love those old school touches, but they're probably still going to buy the brand anyway. So. They're probably smart from a you know business standpoint to you know change and update mm-hmm. those things the only thing i think that frustrates fans is that bmw is a race the rare brand and the fact that they have like several iconic mm-hmm. design elements like if you look at a new mercedes it looks nothing like an old yep. mercedes right like it looks nothing like a 90s mercedes same with audi Same like they, they don't have these like iconic mm-hmm. design elements that really stick around for decades and decades bmw does the kidney girl the hofmeister king things like that so when they change them it does bother fans because this has been like you know bmw has it's fortunate to have those classic traditions so changing them does feel a little disappointing but they're probably right from a business standpoint to do it yeah
1: i don't know i mean exactly maybe one day we'll we'll know the full story right i mean right now no one's gonna really tell you everything up front they will share as much as they can I guess one day we'll find out it really was the decision behind all of this and, um, and we'll see who was right. I mean, I don't, I don't care for us to be right or, you know, just, uh, it's just a fact right now. And I'm I think it's right, been so. beaten to death, the whole design thing, and uh, it's taken away from some of the tech that's cool. But then the last point on this, and um, based on the comments that I saw on the article, somebody mentioned Porsche, you know, and keeping the icons, you know, alive and all of that. And fair point, absolutely. Porsche done a fantastic job, just small iteration on the cars and all of that. And they're safe and they're just, they're just great cars. And there is no doubt, I mean, two things there. I mean, Porsche is such a so much smaller brand when it comes to a volume. So it's a little bit easier for them to um, to kind of just keep everything the same because it's a small customer base versus a very wide and diversified that you would see on the BMW brand. I mean, if you look at the Ford series, there are probably so many different type of customers, not just one. And then secondly, um, I was one of the critics of the um, evolutionary design, the BMW uh, the approach that they took all the time every generation it came out it was kind of like you know just like the previous one just slightly changed like especially from the F30 yes. on you know the same sausage yeah everyone. exactly from same the FFX whatever model generation 573 right.
0: they were very very exactly very so
1: similar. people i remember people you know complaining about that you know now they're cupping out they're you know like you said uh, same sausage different length So then, okay, what's the right approach? Probably a middle ground, right? Which I'm sure it's not (laughs) easy to find, but I'm sure a middle ground would have been good. But um, yeah, I mean, at least today, you're not gonna be uh, making the mistake in between a three and a four series, or a a four and a five, or a seven and an eight. So it will be significantly different. So that was an interesting topic. And then the other message that he wanted to send out, and we kind of knew it, but, he did say that, um, you know, he, he, he's heard the feedback and all of that, but that doesn't mean that um, every single product at BMW will get a large kidney grill. Um, I don't know what's large or if they they are all gonna increase in size a little bit or just some of them, I don't know. But he did explain that every, every model line has a different customer base and a different type of... Um, uh design that will cater to that customer base so the expectations are right. that you're not going to just take this grill and slap it on all the cars and i think we see that with the two series that comes out it's got a normal you know kidney size yeah. dm2 as well the,
0: the uh x1 x1 yeah uh, the spy photos of that exactly it has a normal so, grill so some other ones i think i can't remember off the top yeah of my head. so i mean
1: it's i'm i i do not want to be in their shoes honestly especially in the design team because they're taking a lot of fire from all sides i mean I don't think, um, I, another question that I had prepared, or like four of them only managed to ask two or three, actually five, um, basically was, you know, how do you deal with all this negative feedback that you see on social media? And basically, I mean, it's, it's gotta be tough because if you're a designer and you see your car being bashed all the time, especially for the actual designer that does the car, um, I mean.
0: It's, right, people, people confuse that. Yeah. You know, like it's not the
1: head designer. That's it's not. I mean, he did say in a, in another video that he doesn't pen anymore. But I mean, still under his direction, he can always. they are always competing designs, basically, and they, in you know, right, him and the you know top bosses make the decision. But um, I don't know. I mean, it's hopefully. I mean not hopefully i think the design conversation will continue on the i4 and i started are unveiled, and then some other yeah. ones as well i don't think it's gonna die out soon but um we will do a follow-up on this uh we'll try to be more specific some of the questions kind of kind of drill into to get more what i want to know is really like what went a little bit behind the scenes you know like okay now tell me you know why was this decision made and why does it make sense and so on and so forth and then right. we'll see next year, you know, when sales reports come out of the car sold. I mean, so that was an interesting conversation oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely a good insight in uh, seeing, especially the power presentation was really, really cool because they kind of show how they uh, they approach right. uh, design. Not They don't go directly to sketches. They try to come up with a customer. So it's like a scenario. And then based on that, they try to build those sketches and then they move on from that. And so on and there were some sketches they actually showed us some sketches and and we were told specifically not to take photos of that but um we saw some sketches that were never released basically like iteration of the four series and the m3 and m4 and they were quite interesting and quite cool looking actually i mean actually there was a sketch of this you know still with a large kidney grill but it was a super super slick two-door Oh my god, it was so beautiful. I mean, I was just thinking, if that car would be like in production, it would be amazing looking, mm-hmm. like absolutely amazing.
0: So, you, so yeah, that's interesting. Why would they go? Why would they go away from that and go to this one? It was, yeah, was a sketch, was a so I don't decision. know if that
1: sketch will translate into production. Because if you go in in production, and this is a this is a, a story that I've been pitching to them for for a few years now, and actually last year we're getting close to kind of trying to seal the deal was letting me come to their design studio in Munich and kind of take me behind the scenes, you know, blindfold me so I don't see some of the new products, but kind of walk me through what it means to design the car because you're making all these sketches and the clay models, but then when it goes into the engineering process, into the building process, you have to follow. And especially and not just that even like towards the end of the design process from what I know, they have to now follow all these rules and laws and regulations when it comes to protection safety to safety in general, and so many other things, you know, that you have to follow. So that's going to influence your design. So it doesn't matter what you sketch, it's always going to look cool. But now you got to have this upright nose, it cannot be too, you know, too slick. And I think those rules apply right. based on volume as well. That's why some supercars are still able to yeah. do that. So I think when it's it's volume right. based now you so you got to have you know, more upright nose, it's got to be a certain height, it cannot be too low. Then, you know, the side mirrors, they cannot be too slick because, you know, if you hit someone, and I mean, there's insane amount of things. And I always wanted to kind of, you know, go take a model from BMW and kind of walk me through and say, here's what we change from the sketch to this. And this right. is why this is the law that says that this is that. So now we can really see why do we have to change all these things. And then the other thing, you know, I've learned from them talking to designers that every time you make a sketch with this really 22, 23, 24-inch wheels, it's always going to look cool, you know. It's always going to be this super slick, cool, no door handles, no side mirrors, no anything. It's amazing looking. But hopefully that's a story that I'm going uh, I'm to try to get out soon with, you know, show me what has changed from the, from the sketch. But nonetheless, yeah, it was an interesting insight into the design process that not many of us know. Um,
0: yeah no for yeah. sure it is a definitely a different beast than you know the you know, fans fans know of because like you said there's so much that goes into it you know, and, you know then in it, after you, the design is done then the engineers come in and say I oh, can't do this can't do this can't do this can't do this because of regulations and, and you know whatever yeah. and then it has to be changed then you have to that you change one thing and then you gotta change 20 things because you can't just change one mm-hmm. thing it'll look odd so i i don't i don't envy the job of an automotive designer at all yeah and i
1: always hear this thing also i mean i think some of our colleagues wrote about this too like you know the accountants you know have changed car. Doesn't right. really right. the car does not really worked that way so basically when you build out a car if you had unlimited amount of money and you can afford to do a one percent profit on that car and then you're going to be able to pack in that car everything you want they have the latest tag the latest screen the latest mm-hmm. everything you want the top quality leather Whatever you want, but then you're just not gonna make money, right? So, I think that it's always a, a balance in between, you know, keeping that premium and high tech, you know, uh, you know, look, and then also still making some profits on the car because in the end you're a public company, and then you need to make money for the shareholders. And in the end, that's all it really makes or breaks a company. It's how much money you actually make. And if you look at Apple, they kind of do the same thing. They iterate very slowly on products. They don't go all out. I'm sure Apple could do a a super crazy iPhone every year with the latest tech that you see on Samsung and some other products. But they just don't. They just go smaller iteration. It's just their approach on how they make money. So I think with cars, it's kind of the same way. I think they each car has a target yeah. from what i know on uh, what's the profitability for that it uh, might be higher on some cars like the SUVs, might be lower on uh, m products because they're not that much volume so then you need to be within those constraints so then you start looking at where you can save some money you know you know do you need to use you know this large screen or this ladder you can do that so so on and so forth so i think that's also a topic that not everyone talks about a lot but i would love to see that you know like that's spreadsheet or whatever software they have or they have like thousands of suppliers really cool. and parts and they say okay mm-hmm. now let's see what we're gonna put in this car
0: <laughs> it would be interesting I think it's a good idea for a video yeah it's like see a sketch or see you know a design that was changed because of what regulations or, or what you know cost purposes or you know that would be interesting like how a car goes mm-hmm. from the drawing to the mm-hmm. production car and, and what constitutes
1: exactly I mean, you, you look yeah. at tesla too right i mean tesla doesn't have the most premium finishes and products too so they're probably looking for profitability and they're banking on the fact that customers might not care that much about the you know the quality inside they just care about the uh, you know electro mobility and all yeah. of that or
0: yeah. they don't care if it rains inside the car they just want it to
1: whatever but then <laughs> if you look at you know some might say oh, well audi is doing uh, you know, audi is doing some fantastic interiors and they can do that then again, I don't know what's the story there. They might have more money. They might have more money from VW. Audi.
0: Uh, yeah, Audi and Porsche, they benefit from being part yeah. of the Volkswagen. They share a lot they more
1: parts. More They're possible. able to probably, maybe they don't have the same profitability targets that you know other smaller automakers do. Yeah. So
0: well, Audi's actually the most profitable company in the world. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Audi's I, know. I yeah. always thought so, it was Volkswagen.
1: Well, Interesting.
0: No, Audi, well, Audi is the most profitable. Like, I think they like make the Money. most. Like, I guess maybe the most.
1: Oh, I see. profit Poor. Thing. Poor. poor a, car. Yeah. car. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I think they're the most profitable gotcha. car company. But you know, they they share platforms, yeah. right? So every Audi is based on a Volkswagen Group platform, mm-hmm. and you know, every Porsche that isn't actually is the big Porsches, like the Cayenne and the, mm-hmm. you know, the, those things are all shared as well. So they have that benefit. Yeah. So they can, you know, put in. A little bit more money into interiors and stuff because they, you know, have that Volkswagen yep. financial muscle. And I'm going to end
1: with this. Um, basically, just just remember right now, there was another thing that came up on that meeting. Um, somebody asked about supercars and, you know, the IA to be in a cool car and would BMW make one. And they give kind of the same asset I've heard before offline, you know, on the record also they both said, basically, we love supercars. I mean, if it was up to us, we would design supercars all day long. Who doesn't like to design a supercar, you know? I mean, every designer wants to do that. And they even mentioned that there were, you know, several products that they've done over the years, you know, and uh, some cool ones, I think that was the term that they used. But, you know, when you went with that business case to the board, actually, they didn't say they didn't make sense. I think Adrian said something like, it was not maybe the right time. So apparently sometimes they're able to squeeze in some of the cool products like the i8 because if it falls uh, into the right timeline for the industry maybe for the brand and so on and so forth. And they're able to make those cars because it makes sense for the things that happen in that period right. of time. But some other times you might be, you know, building something that's not really necessary today. or was not something that customers are looking for today. So that was the one thing that I've learned that, you know, they've done quite a few cars and they presented them, which and not all of them made it.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's definitely interesting because BMW has not really made a lot of supercars and every time they've made one hasn't really done so well financially. So BMW doesn't have a great track record of supercars financially so yeah. i can understand their hesitancy I mean, we talked about this with some other the journalists I1, too eight were never really like you know financial smash yeah we should
1: talk to jason about this right jason commission. we asked him you know if he thinks that we should do a supercar i think he says something like no definitely not they should stick to doing no. you know uh, ultimate driving machines cars like the 2002 and e30s and fun cars you know yeah, fun cars it. to drive like BMW
0: is a three series. Company. Exactly. Yeah, they don't
1: Yeah, you don't have to build a supercar. But Mercedes is an S class company. Exactly. And if you look at
0: BMW yeah, three series, company. exactly.
1: And if you look at the M2 CS, I mean, that's the car that defines BMW really like to me, that's the car that says, yeah, we can make some really good cars. Of course, if it was a little, I think the M2 CS got some a little bit of a pushback because because of its price, But then again, I think Johnny said something, you know, is it really like overpriced? If you look at some other cars, I said, maybe, maybe, like, maybe not. But he said, you know, it's great performance. Uh, Then of course, you know, if the cars would have been probably 10,000 cheaper, it'd be like, oh my God, everybody would be jumping on it because we'd be like, oh, this is such a great car. But like, it's a, it's a great product. It might not be selling out quickly because of its price tag, but that doesn't take away from the fact that it's truly a, you know, driver's car.
0: Right. I think the problem with the m2 cs if it has any at all is the fact that it's um like the average customer isn't going to get in the m2 cs like an average m2 customer isn't going to get into an m2 cs and feel like it's worth the premium over the competition but someone like us someone who you know really really understands the, the the minute the fine details will get into an m2 cs and say this is Special, this is worth the money because it is, it is worth the money. It's so good. i got to look at this from d- uh, two
1: different angles. So, if I was an M2 competition customer, I would not sell my car probably to get the M2 CS. But if I was not an M2 competition customer and I was in the market for a sports BMW today, I would probably pick the M2 CS over any other product easily. I mean, I would not, if money was no issue, I would definitely pick it. I mean, there's no way if I were to sell my M2 competition and I'm taking a loss on that and getting this one, yeah, maybe it doesn't make sense. But if you're a new customer looking for a good car. I don't see why you wouldn't want to go to the M2 CS, honestly.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, the Porsche Cayman GT4 is probably the better driver's car. I haven't driven a little, it, A yeah. little, little bit, but, um, it's like 20 grand more, Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's a hundred grand for a Cayman GT4 and the, the BMW is like 83 ish. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you look at that, the M2CS is cheap. I think that's what Johnny said, CS too. To like I don't that,
1: think it's also you know? fair and many th- times for anyone or for if, if, even for us to compare true Porsche sports cars to BMW M because
0: they're, I mean, it's not a direct apples yeah. to apples, but what else are you going to yeah. do, right? Because, like, Porsche is the only one in yeah. that space. Like, no one else is making... Hardcore, bespoke, like hardcore sports cars. Like, no one else is really doing it in that. I mean, I can compare a Cayenne with
1: an X5, you know, that's fair, or a Macan with an X4.
0: Right. I mean, you're right in the sense like the Cayman is a bespoke sports car built on a bespoke sports car chassis, and the M2CS starts as a 220D in Europe. So, like, yeah, it's a little unfair, but in terms of price and performance and and what they are, like, what else are you going to compare it to? So, I guess we have to make that comparison. But at the same time, the m2 cs has advantages over the cayman as well it has a back seat True. you know it's more comfortable mm-hmm. it's cheaper you know it's easy, it, and it, it'll probably appreciate just yeah. as well because it's such a special car i think
1: to me the m2 cs um surprised me a little bit uh, because they show that they can really push the boundaries a little bit more with the m2 competition which was already a good car i don't think i've ever read a bad review on the m2 competition that's probably one bmw that no. everybody loved it i mean i don't yeah, it's great i don't recall a negative review on that honestly
0: i don't think i know of one either and it, it, it's great and anyone who like if you have an m2 competition and you don't want to get rid of it for the cs like i get it the m2 comp is yeah. great it's a it's a fantastic car the cs is better it is but um you know I mean, if
1: you're into collecting cars and you're thinking that the value might go up in the future which could happen because now you know no, the, the extinction of definitely. combustion engines i mean
0: I mean, it's gonna be the last. It won't be the last of its kind. There's going to be another M2. Oh well, yeah, it'll be the other M2. Yeah, that will be the last of its so kind. There'll probably be another M2 series. Yeah, so yeah, we can
1: talk about that in the next. Because I think by the time we do the next podcast, we might be able to see the new two series, so we can talk about the two series a little bit more. But um, the car looks exciting. The designer that did the um, I can share this actually. Um, the designer that did the two series and the M2 is actually the same guy that did the M Next Vision car. So that super futuristic uh, M Next, which was supposed to go into production, apparently got canned. Maybe it's gonna be revived. I'm not sure.
0: The the M Next that had it looked like an M1. Exactly, exactly. So the M1 like, electric
1: yeah, yeah, or hybrid, whatever it was. Yeah. So it's the same guy that David okay. Jose. Um, super cool dude. Very talented, from what I heard. And uh, he did the uh, two series and the M2. So I think it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good looking car. It already looks really good in spy photos. It's super super wide the M2, like really wide and it's got a great stance. so um only only requests that have to bmw m if they're listening or i'm just going to send them an email if not i mean they they have to make an m2 csl they gotta just go all in for this generation yeah. like i don't know the last one, yeah, right? make a 100 units whatever you want to make oh. just make an m2 csl i think it's
0: and they could sell it for hundred yeah. and twenty thousand dollars. and they i think they
1: will sell course it course. if they make an m2 C S just for the fact that yeah. it's probably never going to be one again or at least like Every this one
0: collector every click every Shmi is going to yeah, buy I mean, one and, of course uh, yeah it's
1: good for them I mean if they know, can afford
0: they'll it sell, they'll sell out in 15 yeah, minutes if, uh, Who cares? What, it doesn't matter what they charge yeah, for I mean
1: team uh team Shmi, I mean Tim is his name but, I mean he uh he does a great job collecting some really some really cool cars if he has the means and the money good good for him I mean I will do this
0: oh I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying everyone would buy one like that yeah mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: actually, yeah, we, have we have to get Tim on it. We have we have to get Shmi on, on on a chat because he's been driving a lot of BMWs uh, in the last few years. Uh, so I need to send yeah. an email to his manager and see if we can get him on for uh, that. Would be a, a cool chat. We actually uh, we sp- that would be yeah. We spent a few days together a uh, few years back at in in Peru for the Dakar, and I kind of wish we did a collaboration video that would have been kind of cool. Yeah, that would that
0: would have be been yeah. interesting that would be very interesting yeah so <laughs> to cars. Let's see. But, yeah so that's kind of all i have for <laughs> today i thought been, we're no. gonna
1: cut it short but it's still a little bit long so yes yeah, so for those of you listening you can also see the video version of this on our youtube channel just search for the bmw blog channel and then of course you can also go on all the podcast platforms apple google you name it and um, you can subscribe there as well spotify so um that's kind of all we have if you do have any feedback that's as always send a question to nico at bmwblog.com if you have any topics you want us to talk about i mean we cover a lot in our writing and on the website but sometimes we can take that and actually talk a little bit more on the podcast so feel free
0: it's always easier to flesh out topics or like you know anything like if we write something and you want more info on it or you want to you know it's obviously easier to discuss it verbally and uh you know flesh out details so yeah send out out, in the
1: next episode i think uh, i will talk about the i4 quite a bit so there'll be a lot of share on that nico's going to talk about the ix so that will be a definitely interesting topic and i might actually i can tell you this so what's today 23rd actually we're going to see the m4 convertible in a few days so we can talk about that looks actually pretty cool (laughs) <laughs> actually it looks really good <laughs> so um
0: hey, after driving the m3 i'm excited yeah so
1: convertible looks looks neat it's got a super cool color for the launch yeah it's yeah so i can't really reveal what it is but Ooh, is it uh, yeah i can't it's really talk there. about that yet but uh, ah. Bargo, i think two two days from <laughs> now we'll see it or three days so anyway, so I might be able to see the car actually also soon. So um, I can definitely um, share some videos on our YouTube channel about that, but also talk about the M4 convertible. And And um, so, yeah, so definitely some really cool topics for the next episode. So make sure you're subscribed. Yeah. And how do they say on YouTube, you know, hit that notification. Um, yeah.
0: click, the, <laughs> click the bell and the subscribe button up here it's and down there. It's funny how that works. I'm not good at That's that.
1: really funny, but yeah. I guess it works, yeah. <laughs>
0: It does work, yeah. Please subscribe, like, leave a comment. Click the little bell; you get notifications. Yeah, it's it's
1: interesting, and that's really the last thing um, that some of the videos that we put out and have like a controversial design, like the M3 or M4, people really not dislike the video, but they dislike the product. So, uh, uh, so they dislike yeah, they dislike the video. So, like some of them have a lot of like thumbs, you know, like thumbs down. And basically what that does, it's really, it's really messing with the, uh, with the YouTube algorithm, as they call it. So basically right, right, it's, right. it doesn't get featured as much as it should. But it's really not that people right. don't like what we do with video or how we present the car, Right, they, they don't like the, the car. car so i was thinking the i'm like
0: remember if you, the, the like and dislike is about the video it's about <laughs> exactly. us exactly not the pro, not the so product in the sometimes
1: video. you know you know when i see that dislike i'm like you know, okay well it's not because they don't like what i said it's really just the car maybe you know right but uh
0: they might have agreed with everything yeah but <laughs> it's <laughs> they just don't like the car
1: it's funny so sometimes i think in a future video uh, we'll we need to put a disclaimer, like, please do not dislike the video if uh, <laughs> you, know, you don't like the design. It has nothing to do.
0: Only dislike, only dislike the video if you don't like what, you know, the video. <laughs> exactly, like, so we, we did know, not we design the car. The video, <laughs> yeah, we didn't make the car. Don't, or don't it should be us. like
1: a double like. If you, if you really like the design now, you should have the power of a double like, you know. So <laughs> yeah,
0: right. But anyway, so like.
1: fun aside, um, it's a good chat, man. I think I've, I talked too much today, so next time it's all you and um <laughs> it's all right uh yeah so no
0: you had more to say this time yeah.
1: so yeah nico so uh, yeah it was good um it was good seeing you once again you know yeah, yeah thanks for time. chatting um, and we'll see you soon and we'll yeah. chat some more on the bnw stuff